Hey, it's going to be okay. Is it? No, no. Not in the slightest. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yes. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, uh, hey. 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 Oh, I'm dead inside. How are you doing, Gomer? Oh, man, I'm dead on the outside as well as on the inside. That's, that's the best. Oh, man, let me tell you. Can I, can, I, can I give you the countdown? You want the countdown? Yeah. Okay, number three. Two days ago, my wife is backing out, of, or maybe three or four days ago. My wife's backing out of the car, van loaded with kids. She lowers the garage door and then hears, boom. She's like, what the heck was that? I'm just going to leave the house. So she leaves. (laughs) Comes back later, garage door won't open. So these garage doors have these magical springs that hold a lot of tension. And sometimes they explode. (laughs) And the the spring, so we are a one spring garage door. It exploded. So replace that. Uh, Can it explode with like... With people inside? Yes. Like, usually explodes while things are happening. So ours exploded right after the garage door was lowered. Lowered. So well, by explode, it happened when she came back. Right. So there's so much tension. But now, since it's a spring wrapped around a pole, oftentimes what happens is it stays on the ring. But there are times when it can break off and, and knock you in the face or something. So that was, that was a thing. And then uh, I'm trying to think, what was the other thing that we just paid? To get fixed, we had some other things. So that was that other thing was number Me? two. Uh, you, we paid to get you fixed. Um, no, and then sorry, Aaron. Uh, we have some drips of water coming out of our second story. Happened before. Oh gosh, it's it's the yeah. pan that sits under the HVAC unit in the in the attic. And when that pan fills up with water, there's a little just a simple gravity flow and pump or pipe that takes the water right out the soffit but that pan should never fill up with water because you have another pipe that's called the condensate drain pipe that takes the water the condensation uh, condensation built up from the from the ac that runs it straight to one of the bathroom sinks and it just sends it down the bathroom sink well our bathroom sink that it's connected to is our children's sink so whether it's the line itself that's filling with goo and slime and algae, or it's the fact that my kid's sink is filled with toothpaste and clay, because why not, and hair dye and more yeah. toothpaste. My, my son yeah. Thomas, I think, has emptied out entire tubes of toothpaste into the sink. So I poured liquid Drano in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I poured liquid Drano in thinking it was just our kid's thing. Oh, no. It's, so my wife goes, so I'm mowing. And the thing is leaking from the, the from the soffit, the attic. So we know that there's a problem. You know, that's the last ditch effort. So I'm mowing, and it's pouring down. And so I go, honey, I asked you a little bit ago, could you clean the drain? Because she had to do it before, and my neighbor walked her through it when I wasn't home. And I go, can you clean the drain? Can you get that going? And she does in the past. Well, today, she goes to drain it or clean it. She pulls the hose, detaches a little clamp from the from the wall PVC pipe. The PVC pipe breaks and comes off in my wife's hands and then she looks up and water is draining it's as if someone's just pouring whenever the ac on they're just pouring gallons of water down that little thing i did not know condensation built up that much so i took some tinfoil and wrapped it around to create like a little spigot extender and we have a bucket and we're gonna sleep warm tonight 
and that bucket will drain. <laughs> Hopefully, the little my little foe spit because basically the pipe broke right almost inside the wall, not inside the wall, but right next. Okay, to but it. right next to yeah. So it's not sticking out far enough that it can just go easily into the bucket. And we don't, and I don't have a hose that I can clamp on there. And I'll, oh, it is so frustrating. It is so fresh. Luke, don't Patreon. you. Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF. Don't you oh, dare become a homeowner. You. Don't you dare become oh, a homeowner. no. I did. Oh, my God. And then we created life on top of it. <laughs> well, you were on top of her. But anywho, um, yeah. So it's been, it's been something, man. It has been something. I'm sorry. I, like, um, um, Right as I um, right as I like saw your text, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, I, I, what did I text you, Luke? Like, uh, attic is leaking or something like that. I'll be a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah something about Yikes. like HVAC pipe you have to replace. I was like, "Good for you for for knowing what that is." Because mm. Luke mm. doesn't know, and what Luke oh, and what Luke doesn't know does hurt him. <laughs> and what Luke doesn't know can fill a library. <laughs> But what hurt? But what hurts him has created a magical podcast with almost <laughs> three hundred episodes. We take our hurt and we put it on display, and people give us money. Dance, monkey! Judging, <laughs> bleed, yeah. monkey, bleed. Or as this one guy says, "Hold, please. Can I? Can I read that mm. a review? Please, please do. This okay, is a negative review that we, me and Luke got. Okay, here's here's oh, what the subject. This is what the subject says: a three star effort. I think even they'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> Very suburban nos- nostalgia. Yes, and elder millennial. Yes, there's a kind of misplaced sense of of masculine in quotes authenticity. End quote. Definitely not distinct to them, but they use it to cover for the forced swearing, the lack of preparation, the childlike obsession with movies and TVs, and a guilt-ridden resistance to physical exercise, and a too apparent undertone of glee at the prospect of increased Patreon funding. That's from Ann Higgins, H-A-N-D-H-I-G-G-I-N-S, who can go f*** himself. <laughs> I hate I'm it. I'm just kidding. I hate it when you say stuff like that. <laughs> what who what was his do. first name? What was the first name? Uh it's just A N D H I G G I N S and Higgins. And I'm not sure. Higgins. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just want to make you over mad. Oh, gosh. Uh, shoot. <laughs> well, let, let's I let's walk. Bad. I don't really I didn't realize that you hate it. When you say go F yourself, there's some <laughs> Valid criticism that hits too close to home? I don't think it's valid criticism. Let's walk through it. Let's walk through their major points. So suburban, what was it? Suburban what? (laughs) Suburban, um, um, very suburban nostalgia. True. Yeah. What are we we supposed to have? Urban nostalgia? Rural nostalgia? Agriculture? Like, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I remember running on the rooftop. I remember running down the fire escapes in Brooklyn and then running out to fields of farms. There. Is that rural (laughs) and urban enough for you? Yeah. Um, Very elder millennial. Yes. True. Yeah. True. There's nothing we can do about that. Meaning we love our entertainment and social media. However, we also get our work done. Go on. (laughs) Uh, Here's the next part. There's a kind of misplaced on the sense of of masculine authenticity that I take issue with. I think that's a load of crap. I don't, you know, they are not the first person to say that. Uh, (laughs) 
a misplaced. Think, like, wait, let's break down these words. What was it again? A misplaced. Misplaced. They there's a kind of misplaced sense of of like <laughs> a masculine authenticity. We're not like like grr, you yeah. know like 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 we're not like we're not I'm Jacko on Willis or Jacko Willis. Like, go on, yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever. God, um, I love him so much. No, no, they're great. They're but like we're not like yeah. um like I, I I just have issues with. I'm like doesn't mean we're not a masculine or like. But it's see, just, see, this I, is the like, problem. What does he? This what is does, yeah. Like, this is the vagary of these comments. These drive-by comments. Like that sounds like he's he's very smart and saying a bunch of smart stuff. But I have no idea what that means in terms of like, are we harping on masculinity or do we try to tell people like to grow up? Like what? Like are, is it machismo? No, neither of us exude machismo. I don't know. I don't get it. I think a lot of our conversations about masculinity revolve around really two things. Our encounter with AMDG, which was very edifying and healing and awful and beautiful, um, like looking into the sun. Uh, But also it was our experience of years of young adult ministry and young adult experience where you meet all these guys who are super bitter towards the very women that they want to date because they are undateable. Like that one guy that we're not going to say his name, Luke, but who would attack Arlene Spensley. Oh yeah. All the time. And it's like, listen, get your, get your life together. Like you are so clearly blaming the feminine for your personal problems. Like one of my favorite new sayings is it's time to start treating yourself. Like you actually matter to someone, you know, at, at least to yourself. Right. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't. Well, and I think what I also think like, and and I everyone, I want to be clear, like we're not trying to really defend ourselves here. It's more like why I bring this up. Actually, it's like the big stuff that he's going after that I think our our podcast is either a reflection of oh, within the culture or is like microcosm of it. Um, part of what we're doing here in the first place is trying to explore stuff. Yeah. And I think there's some people that don't that feel like guys can like overdo that. It's just you know this idea of like it's like just act on it, then just go and um do something. And I think what people I'm like this one is a bunch of bragging, almost you know either like us like well I've done this I've done that I like to either brag or just or just crap on stuff and just dis- and try to display that for the whole world to see as opposed to taking the time to explore talk yes and really trying to process stuff so l l ron higgins or whatever the hell your name is uh give us some more information okay what's the next and part higgins what's the next part? um so then I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over on this line because it's again about this uh, the kind of um, yep. misplaced and he's just he's just trying to reinforce that, mm. but they but they use it to cover for their forced swearing. True. What does that mean? Okay, so my my friend Chris Miller said that the other day. He's, he he because he doesn't like the cussing or anything, and he was like, uh, and he was being funny, but he was like, you know, can I come on your show and cuss so I look cool? And I was like, do you think? That we cuss to look cool. Look cool. I know. That's what I'm like. I do not <laughs> do sit there and be like, ooh, cussing makes us edgy. But I know that there are people that do that. And so that's what makes me sad. And, this, and it's, well, it's, I think because it was more, and this, it, I, um. <laughs> We've talked about this to death, but. We, I know. I we know, only cuss on a thing if we cuss in real life. 
because the thing that I find, I know Catholics who are Catholic speakers or people who judge Catholic speakers and hire them who cuss like sailors in their daily life and yet would dare to stand and judge someone like me who occasionally lets out a swear word. And this guy, I mean, when I say occasionally, I mean, take the worst show you've ever heard me cuss in. And this guy, that's like his paragraphs. And he's like, yeah, but Gormley does it publicly, so we're not going to hire him for this event. And it's like, that's the problem. The problem is not that I cuss in some sort of public venue, which I would never do that with high school or even college-age students. I am looking at this guy, and I'm like, you're just a total hypocrite, and that's what bothers me. But that's what makes me a millennial. <laughs> that's what makes me a millennial. But I do think there is um, there is like something to being conscientious about the platform that we have now. Yeah. Like, I actually feel more guilty now when I cuss sometimes than we did in the past because in the really, past the opening just... of this show did not sure reveal that <laughs> well because there's because i actually feel bad about it now because you were upset <laughs> <laughs> you just you just went for the nuclear option on that one <laughs> i always want to kill the things that i that i love <laughs> and um, you love and higgins or whatever the heck is. yeah i just i don't know i i it just yeah it's it's this weird like um you know, like, so I saw this um, great meme the other day that I think is actually from a, um, like, newer episode of Rick and Morty where it says everyone trying to enjoy, the, trying to act like they enjoy pot, uh, podcasts and it's, and it, and it was like, and it uh, showed a couple of, 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 like, extremely bored people. And then the caption, un, like, the caption underneath us said, how could you be so bold yet so controversial <laughs> something like that. and i was like oh i feel so owned right 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 now and there and there is a thing to it where it's like when does the stick yeah of like what we do or what other people are trying to do in all of this get old yeah yeah but that's not us we're eternally young what's the next part of the criticism um what was the guilty the, one the about lack of the lack of preparation that actually really bothered me why because i'm like you hate preparation Exactly, and I I'm hate like, that. The you, kind of show I know, but to a point, we need to have preparation. I don't really think so. We have preparation A, we have preparation B, we have preparation C, we have preparation D, E, F, G. It's now time for preparation H. On you the get whole. mad when I'm like I'm just I'm like if I'm like emotionally spent and I forgot to ask everyone four questions so we could have stuff. Oh uh, no, I get mad when yes. I want to talk to you and plan a couple things out, and you're like, no, 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 that ruins our vibe. And I was like, we're dying. We don't have a vibe. <laughs> we're dying. There were six <laughs> months where people stopped listening. Okay, <laughs> I know that was the no. I and I I don't know. I don't like this is. I know this is this is actually a, a thing that I wanted to um, talk about a bit. No, but get to the is, guilty part. What was the I, okay? All right, all right. I want um, <laughs> the childlike obsession with movies and TV. That's millennials. I'm fine with that. I am absolutely fine. With, even though I have, but here's the bullshit. Yeah. Like here's what like um, here's what um, makes me mad about that is we've even said about the Marvel films. I think I'm done after this. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm just like, what do you what do you want? Um, Our blood and a guilt-ridden resistance to physical exercise. What? What a not nice person. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> uh oh, I think I know who that is. That's who is it? Taylor Marshall. 
with his dancing <laughs> pecs. He probably typed that on the keyboard I with hope his dancing pecs. No, it's like not. sorry that I had a stroke two like two years ago and can't do the uh, workouts that I want to do anymore. Four years ago, whatever. I have no excuse. I'm just a fat guy. Uh, um, a too <laughs> apparent undertone of glee at the prospect of increased Patreon funding. Hell yes. Oh, yeah. Patreon.com slash CF. Gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> I will literally I take my people off. so much. I love all of them. Not very, enough very to much. talk to them, but to talk about them. Uh, I'm talking to people I'm this kidding. weekend. I'm kidding. I, uh, um, going about back to that masculinity and the uh, the cussing thing. You sent me a really great topic, and I don't know if you're ready to transition into it, but I think yeah. it was yes. great. I would love for you to introduce it. Okay, so, um, all right. Um, I know a lot of priests. I know a lot of priests all over the country. And it's one of, the, one of the blessings of this podcast, of my career since 2000, and basically from 2015 on. Onwards, I have gotten to know a lot of really great priests. Um, I've also got to know some priests who are, you know, kind of douchey and not very. And I people that I'm like, wow, you're an insufferable human being uh, that I don't want to be around. And I've heard some awful, terrible things about priests. Truly, things that are like hurt. You know, sorry, I got something in my eye. Um, truly horrific. Everything from the McCarrick stuff to the, you know, the, all the stuff of 2018 to then you just hear all the horse stories of like other people, you know, and just, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to paint um, a priest in like a, you know, bad light here. I'm just saying, it's just, I, I just have like seen the humanity of, of priest over the past, you know, five years. And it's been, and the good has far, far outweighed, the bad, but the bad was a tough pill to swallow. Let me just put it that way. And um, I saw this one priest recently, just in a thing online, and I was like, "Man, I just do not like that guy." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he's like my little interaction with him. He's just so insufferable." I was like, Grr. "I started getting like, I started getting angry about it." And then I was like, "Luke, like." When is enough enough? <laughs> like, why do you keep expecting? Perfect. Like, why can't I just be okay with the fact that me and this guy just kind of don't really get along? Okay. Like, like, why can I? And like, why? Like, why am I always trying? Why do I always want things to be perfect? Why do I get so angry when they, you know? Aren't perfect. Like I almost had a panic attack last last night, starting to think about all the things that could go wrong with, uh, you know, uh, with my daughter that's about to be born in mm-hmm. two months. You know, like what if she doesn't have any friends? Uh, uh-uh. like what if she has has the um, what if she has a um, disability? What if you know she we can't have another kid after this, and she's like a weird only child? What like, if she these... hates uh, every band that ever played at a Cornerstone Music Festival? Exactly. These are what crucial if she, things. You know, has like Aaron's reaction anytime she's like here's like emo and just starts to mock it incessantly or and or roll her eyes. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, it's like one time this like one song <laughs> popped on and like Aaron just started to sing like she knew how it went. I'm like that was actually surprisingly surprisingly close to how the song goes. He goes, yeah, because. All your crap sounds exactly the same. <laughs> Sick um, burn. I yeah. love it. But, you know, so and, and I was like, I, but I was like, Luke, you, I'm still not okay with this fact at all. It's like, Luke, you cannot control this. Why do you want everything to be perfect? I'm like, you know what? I, you're right. Like, I need to just 
let go of this desire for everything to be perfect for my life to be perfect for my, for like myself to be perfect to like hold my wife to these incredibly high standards that no person can you know um achieve but then i read the thing where it says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know how to reconcile that mm. is this is my is what i'm telling myself to let go of the idea of perfection just a self-help way of me trying to say like like can I like what like what's like what's going on like how do I reconcile that mm. is this just a self-help attitude that I need to perhaps you know find you know test everything hold on to the you know hold on to the good or like when in you know in the bible when Christ says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What does he mean by by that? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, that's at the end of chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's in the category of love your enemies. And he says, if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is one thing that has totally been eclipsed in Catholic spirituality probably in the last hundred years, but definitely after Vatican II. And this is one of those things like, you know, is it stupidity or the plan? Like, this is the thing that makes people love Taylor Marshall's infiltrated and all that stuff. Because there was, there is a whole spirituality and theology of what we call perfection in the Christian life. And that was totally replaced by an understanding, uh, like a leveling out of it, and an understanding of community. And when you get rid of the theology of perfection or the spirituality of perfection, or really both, the way of perfection, you destroy the whole point of monastic life and religious life. Like, all of that was built on the journey to Christian perfection. And it's like, I need to to make that journey by going to a cloister. And when you rip that out, and that's no longer a part of our like daily understanding of Catholic faith, then you, I think you've removed part of the Christian vocation, especially to the religious life, completely away, right? And people don't even see why that's appealing unless you're like scared of sex or you have a a mission to be like a nurse and deliver babies or something from like call the midwife. Um, Love that show. I've never, I've never seen an episode, (laughs) but I've heard a lot of babies cry from the other room. I am I am strangely like pulled into it. Aaron had it on while uh, while she was doing work, and I was I just uh, had my headphones and was trying to read Harry Potter, <laughs> and I kept stopping to like um, listen to, to to what was going on. Yeah, sorry. Anyways, on. Well, okay. So I mean, when we talk about perfect, we're talking about a couple different things. I think in the Christian life, and I think a lot of people don't understand the Catholic understanding of the way of perfection. So in, are, are you familiar, Luke, with the the three, what do they call it? The three ways, oh, crap, what is it called? Oh, um, Purgation, illumination, and yeah, uh, unitive ways. It, it has been a long time, but yes. Yeah. So when you begin we to. We really should have prepared. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, oh, oh. Oh, I got stuff. You sent. See, you all you have to do is send me a text message like you did. I yeah, got but then stuff. it just turns into me. Then it just turns into me. Ha- I like it when we unpack stuff and there's a back and forth. Right. So here's the deal: we actually have to have something, Luke, to go back and forth <laughs> over, Luke. 
Instead of just BSing it the entire time. But going back and forth... Uh, like really um, doesn't mean that like you have a 20 minute um, monologue and then I provide three minutes of insight followed by a 15 minute monologue. Those are the best episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's a sick quote from St. Francis de Sales, which is the struggle to do like, don't freak out that you're not perfect. The way that we become perfect is by struggling with our imperfections. When I read that quote, I saw that uh, quote when I was in college, and it was probably at my fever pitch of scrupulosity, right, where I am seeing sin where there is no sin. I'm struggling with feelings of guilt of sins that I were already forgiven of, and I am being smashed down. I remember a priest said, hey, here's an introduction to devout life. It's a beautiful book. I would encourage you to read it, learn how to pray, learn what the devout life is, and it's written for lay people. And the idea of all of it is the way to perfection is not in spite of your imperfections. It's precisely through them. And once you can let that knowledge sink deep down into your brain, into your heart, into whatever other organs are appropriate, you stop being disheartened and overwhelmed. And you can actually be patient and gentle with yourself, right? And that's one of the things is like when Catholics become very serious about holiness, often what they do is they become very rigid and they become extraordinarily black and white, most importantly when it applies to their own spiritual growth. And often they say, like, I'm not that yet. And they point at Mother Teresa or St. Francis de Sales and say, I'm not that yet. And they despair because they're trying to do all this rigidity stuff and they can't get to that thing. But they do what I think you point out more than anyone else. Uh, or where they forget to do what I think you point out, is grace does not replace nature. It builds upon it, right? It builds upon nature. So you need to address the things in your life, the wounds, the labels you've been given, the, the, the preferences you have. But then the way of perfection goes even deeper, and then it focuses on the actual mortal sins you're committing. And the three categories are habitual mortal sin, mortal sin, and then habitual venial right, sin. I'm going to back you up really quick. Um, like a big fine th- woman? Yeah. Uh, can you call me? Can you call me Big Daddy? Well, uh, uh, yes. The answer that. is yes. You don't even have to finish. Yes. Oh man! Can we just go back to nineteen? I'm ninety nine. To nineteen? I'm ninety nine. Please, God, please. Okay. Um, a time when we just did it all for the nookie. Uh, do like, <laughs> and you can take that cookie. <clears throat> okay, go on. Go on. Uh, I just want to behold the lamb. <laughs> and then break. Stuff. Luke, you're. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the quote about the saint? Okay, from oh, sorry, the one about yeah from saint. So I, yeah, um, saint I, I have it right here. Whatever. The work of the soul's purification neither may nor can end save with life itself. Okay, so at the end of your life, you're still struggling. Do not then let us be disheartened by our imperfections. Our very perfection lies in diligently contending against them. That's way too long for a podcast. Uh, it's kind of uh, no, no. That's that's really good. And stop it! God, I just, I just love your <laughs> condescending tone. It really makes me want to talk to you more. Ad libbing. Go on, please. <laughs> Sorry. No, Luke. Please, you're you are no, perfect. Go on. No, it's not what I'm. I'm saying. kidding. I'm kidding. Just go. No, you're fine. You know you're how fine. sensitive I am right now, especially with this medication I'm on. <laughs> oh, so sensitive. I forgot. <laughs> Okay, so um, 
No, no, no. Uh, crap. No, because was like it was a good point, but it yeah. was, it, do it got, not like, lost then in... let us be disheartened by our imperfections. Our very perfection lies in diligently contending against them. Okay, so one that kind of uh, that kind of um, reminds me of, of that one quote. Uh, I think it was um, from a terrible episode of Game of Thrones where he says, "Like death is the last enemy that we keep on, on, on like I'm fighting and fighting and fighting until we, you know, until he wins." Yeah, and like this idea of like you just keep going and going and going and going, um, and even though you know, like you won't be able to really quite, uh, you won't really be able, to, you won't quite win in this life. You still have to keep going, and I just like I love that. I love that thought. Um, I think that's a I, th- I think that's a very stoic thought. Like stoicism well, I mean, is it's, it's, death is staring yeah. at you, smiling at you. All you can do is smile back. You know, kind of thing. But, I'm like I like. I like the Christian idea of it better, mm-hmm. or, or like the Christian proposal, uh, like to yeah. that better. But I, you know, like you can kind of see how, yeah, totally. Like they're you know they're really really close. Um, that idea of you know like understanding that like it's through my imperfections that I become perfect. Like why I brought the why I brought the thing up about the priests. I just feel so disillusioned right now with like everything. And um, how do I? How does that then apply to other people? Yeah. So that's yeah. You know, like like so. You know, like like if if like I'm if I have to work with a priest who's just like a just like a pompous, not nice individual. Um, see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I handle? Because like my first thing is to be like, oh, screw you! You're a, you're a jerk. You know, and just kind of um, label them, and then which, but it doesn't feel good afterwards. It, it, it and it doesn't like it. Really, just turns in the bitterness, which is an awful thing that just just that just destroys a person. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, try to uh, obtain perfection or strive for that, especially as it relates to other people, and not end up bitter. So I think this is why the the Christian perfectionism was thrown away, because I think so many people saw it as monkish virtues, and it was this collapse on the inward, and it's like, well, what about my neighbor? You're fighting your inordinate desires. All you need to do is get over yourself and serve the poor, right? And there is a very true element of that in certain cases, but the problem is... um, well, okay, so that's the impetus for that. Is like, okay, well, it's within me. But then the the reality is, and you see this in the self help literature that's like dialed down to like a diet Catholic version, which is I can't control the world around me. I can only control the way I react to the world. So when you have whether it's a priest or a layperson or you know you're just at work or whatever, whether or not you work for the church, when you have when you're surrounded by pompous arrogance or privilege or annoyance. The idea is how I react to it is what matters in a certain way more than the fact that it exists. Now, that now if you want to go the old Jocko Willink way, you have to forge a relationship with that person in order to begin to change that person. And if it never gets better, then you got to figure out a way to go mutiny without losing your job. Well, but I don't think like this doesn't relate to a job at all. 
or anything like that. Well, I well, I thought you were saying like, how do you have to put up with other people, like a priest who's over you or something yeah, like that? I, no, yeah. no, I, I mean, you just mean like, like at a yeah, parish, like yeah, at a parish, like you know, on whatever, like just like when, or it could be just like a priest that you know who's a you know or something like that. Like it doesn't have to necessarily yeah. be a job or anything. Yeah. I just mean it more. Uh, I want to be really clear about that because I do. I work for a priest, so I want to be very clear. I wasn't <laughs> talking about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. So okay. Like this particular individual. I'm trying. I don't want to give any clues as to who right, this person right, right, is. Right. Like I probably won't cross paths with that much, but I probably will at some point in time. Okay. And he's just a person who I've always just he just just ugh, just just did not have a good just not have a good experience of him. And I'm like, so then what do I do with that? Because every time I see him, it's exactly like oh, what I think of. You know, I don't see him a ton. It's just that, like, when I see him, though, that's like what the first thing that like comes to my mind. You know, okay, so like, yeah. there's this one Catholic person who thinks he's a he thinks he's a like a thought leader, whatever. He drives me insane. The one person who's I'm never who doesn't know that he's actually banned from our show because he hasn't been on here in the first place. <laughs> and I'm like, anytime I see him, I'm just like. I have like an unhealthy amount of like anger towards this. So person. would you say you have strong feelings about this person? Yes, I think the person's a just bad what guy. <laughs> bad yeah, guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, bad guy. And like what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah, so this again goes back to the way of perfection for you. Right? You are letting your passions even if they're correctly ordered, you're letting them disturb the peace of your soul. Which is the Luke Carey way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, also, I let my, my Circa four... Circa 1994. Yeah. I let my four-year-old, my six-year-old, my eight-year-old, my nine-year-old all watch every episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, there they go. This is where the door closes on the alien and kills him by chopping him in half. Whoopsie! I forgot to I forgot this to is, password. This is where the stormtrooper helmets, while they're still uh, caked in blood, are put through the spears as a warning. Yeah, yeah, that's just clay, kids. That's just clay. Um, no, but this is the part that the, the, uh, it's robbing you of your joy, right? It's yeah. robbing oh, you totally. of your peace. Well, that's more about you than it even is about that person. It's about that person. Like you know the sins of that person. But if the sins of that person dominate and rob you of your joy, there is a discord within you that needs to be addressed. So then when I see that, even if it's a just anger, do you think it's better to just pray for them and just try to let it go? Or do you, do you go all rage? Like, when do you go all a rage against um, the machine? Do you think that you going all rage against the machine? What, what does rage against the machine say? Your anger is a gift. Your anger is a gift. Your anger is a gift. I think it was in the third album. Um, yeah. When does that? So Aristotle says anger is easy, but anger at the right object for the right intensity for the right duration is difficult. That's a virtuous thing to harness your anger, your emotional overdrive at the right thing. So then the question is, what are you most angry about with that person? And can your anger be used to correct the injustice mm. because if not if not it's futile 
right? It's a rage and a boiling, like, okay, so let's just say this person sits on top of a mega Catholic nonprofit and a for-profit company that the nonprofit is required to deal with. Totally hypothetical, no names being mentioned. And you oh, know and co- you know that they're making millions of dollars off of donated cash money, and it burns your soul because you're watching parishes shut down left and right because there's not enough cash money. But this person made, oh, I don't know, $1.2 million in 2018. So how can your rage and anger correct the problem? Because anger is meant to be a, uh, uh, is a passion that can be ordered to the good only when it's ordered towards correcting an injustice. But when it can't correct the injustice, it burns you out, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I struggle with that, man. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's, here's two quotes that I think can guide us. The business of finding fault is very easy. The business of doing better, very difficult. It is very easy to find fault. Scott Hahn used to say, the moment someone else's sins make me mad. Wait, what was the line? Gosh, I'm going to ruin it, Luke. No, when someone else's, when I'm like preoccupied with someone else's sin, I need a reality check because their sins won't send me to hell. Right, and it's it's and he was talking about that in the context of Bill Clinton's sex scandal and the outrage of the religious right, and he's like, "Why don't y'all calm down and let his sin become a a, a mirror to your life?" And then the other line is, uh, "We accuse our neighbor for so." Oh wait, no, no, no. Uh, it is a futile. It is the part of a futile soul to busy itself with examining the lives of others. So you can see the futility in getting angry, but your anger going nowhere other than what? Gossip? Uh, a, a, a hilariously snarky tweet? <laughs> right? Like a text yeah, message yeah. to me with an eggplant <laughs> emoji in that guy's face or something? Like what? What is it going to become? No. <laughs> or just having an inside joke that this is the one person who's banned from your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> No, I yeah, it's um, uh, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. No, I I think this is this is a lot of good stuff to think on. I mean, the hard part is there's probably some people that I'm the like I'm that person for. I mean, you're that person for the person you know? who wrote that <laughs> that one star review. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh man, overzealousness, overzealousness. Is the mother of all imperfections. Mm. See, you would think it would be the other way. Being super zealous is what leads you to perfection. But I think over what St. Francis de Sales is saying there is so often we can we 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 major in the minors, right? This is a thing that I could try to get people to realize. This is the way I now view the only way I can reach high school students, right? The Flannery O'Connor shock them with the grotesque and the horrific and maybe they can hear you like i'm like you're evil i used to think that preachers who preached how like people are evil and they need to repent and the hellfire like they do it the wrong way it's like waking people up to the horror that is really within us like what what was that kid that's from your hometown he probably uh, lived next door to you and learned everything from you about a (laughs) How to interact um, with the world. Brock Turner. Brock, Brock Turner, yeah. yeah. That horrible oh, monster gosh. of a guy raped a woman who was on borderline passed out, but very, very intoxicated and unable to put up a resistance, 
raped her behind the building, uh, and uh, you know he got what a three month commuted sentence or whatever. Um, and what was the appeal of the parents? Well, don't punish him for the rest of his life for a mistake he made for a twenty minute mistake. Twenty minute mistake. Yeah. And he, this girl will be punished. She'll have to live with the fact that she's a rape victim for the rest of her life. And this is the thing: is like Brock Turner is in us all. Okay, that's a horrible thing to say. The <laughs> that, was, that came out totally wrong. We all have that shadow within yeah. us. That's why Christian meditation down through the centuries is like you know doing the Saint Ignatius of Loyola like composition of place is put yourself as the Roman soldier. Put yourself as Peter the betrayer. Imagine yourself in the story as Judas, right? Like, that's the point because you and I are Judas. It wasn't the, St. Francis of Assisi said, it wasn't the demons that crucified our Lord, but you and me. But we are like, yeah, but that's like other people. Oh, Lord, I know. Well, I mean, like, one of the, probably in my opinion, one of the greatest Christian rock songs ever is John Wayne um, like Gacy Jr. by uh, this is Aeop Sufjan Stevens song. It's about the guy who dressed up as 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 like a clown and killed boys, and then he buried them under like his house. And he has a line where it songs, um, in the, you know, and he it's about that. It's about that. That's what the whole song's about. And he and then at the, at at the very end, I can't remember how he transitioned how he transitions to it, but he basically says, "Look beneath." Look um, beneath the floorboards to see all of the secrets that I have hid. Where it's like, like this person's a human being, Ugh. and I'm a human being. I'm capable of doing this. Like we all, I have my own secrets, my own horrible things that I've done that I have just tried to hide from the world. It's yeah, it's so when when okay, so hmm. stepping back and looking at it from a Catholic perspective again. And I think this is really helpful, going right back to the anger thing. Like, justifiable anger that does no good, right? So in, uh, in, in kind of Thomistic understanding of the human person, we are bodies and souls. A human person is a rational animal. That's our definition. And so if I'm a rational animal, the animality is just as important as the rationality. It's who I am. And part of that is passions. You and I have passions. Feelings or passions are emotion. They're movements of the sensitive appetite. So something that we share in common with the animals. Uh, hate, anger, rage, um, love, lust, all of these different things combined are, are either good passions or passions that are rooted within us or twistings of those passions. But this is what the one of the reasons when it talks about perfection. So have you ever done something, Luke? that you knew was right, you did it, like, rationally you knew was the correct thing, you did it, you did the right thing, but you didn't want to? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, go to mass when you don't feel like it? Feel like it, yeah. And what, yeah. what does that mean when we say we don't feel like it? Well, I'm being lazy, or I'm doing a good thing, I'm enjoying something, I don't want to interrupt it. It can be a million things. The whole idea of... Christian perfection is those passions which are not moral get connected with the good or the evil and they become twisted or they become elevated. And so the Christian idea is it's not just that you do the right thing because you know what's right and you choose what's right. It's that eventually you choosing what's right for so long makes your passions, your emotions want to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like even your base desires are ordered towards the good. 
So, like, going to Mass on Sunday stops to be an obligation that intellectually you apprehend, and even emotionally you're in line with it. So it's not that you just pursue the good. It's that your whole being wants to be good. And that's what it means. Ultimately, that's what moral perfection in, in this sense means. It's like my intellect, my will, yes, but also my sensitive appetite. My very body cries out, you know, longs to be united to God and in union with God. So that's the hard thing. You can't command your emotions, but you can train them. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? You can't command them. Be angry right now, but you can train them. Every time I freaking see that guy, I want to knock it. You know, like that is the thing. And then what do you do? You have to train them the other way. And that that training is what we call virtue. Hmm. So if if you see a hot chick and you want to sexualize the hot chick, right? She hits your fetish. She's gorgeous. She's this. She's that. <laughs> what your fetish. That's your example. Right. I, I tell people that all the time. I say the, the number one problem with pornography is that it fetishizes normal life. Because here's it. I don't know if, if this was your experience with pornography, Luke, but, like, you start consuming along themes, right? Like, especially with, like, you know, Pornhub or something like that where there's just vast arrays of pornography all categorized with tags and categories and all mm. this stuff. It becomes very easy to develop like, oh, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see. And then mm-hmm. – I, and I tell – I've said this before on the show. I think on, our, on episode eight, Authentically Honest About Pornography, um, that the most difficult thing for me is to try to not see pornography when I'm in daily life, right? Like when you're stuck in pornography. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, here's that girl running by in a skimpy gym outfit triggered. Right, like that's what I mean. Like that's what I meant by fetish. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. It, no, no, it's, I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just an awkward word. A joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kinky. Uh, but yeah, so that Gino sees the feet. <laughs> what? Who is that? Was he? Is he like a football coach or a basketball coach? That like that video leaked with him? Oh yeah, uh, Rex. <laughs> was he the, Rex is Ryan. that the Kansas City yeah. guy? Is he the Chiefs no, guy? Uh, no, well, no, he, he was. He was a coach <laughs> of the Jets at the time, I think. He was like a was he, he was a coach on the Ravens and went to the yeah something else he was like <laughs> but he loved and feet. They, yeah he was like kind of like the coach for a bit and they found a video of like him and his wife and they he was like it's a personal matter it's a personal matter yeah. it was so weird like it was clearly his voice <laughs> I remember my brother telling me about it and he goes who cares if it's his feet it's his wife's feet shouldn't that be enough <laughs> I just remember um when that happened being like he's not stupid enough to do that. And then they had it on Deadspin, and I, and I like heard the audio, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's Rex Ryan!" Like, <laughs> there's no way you can't like. So think ugh, about so okay, weird. okay. So a friend of mine I overheard saying, "All right, let me let me let me scrutinize this. How I'm going to put it? An alcoholic is walking away from his family, and he keeps promising his wife he's going to do better, and he does for a couple weeks, and then he fails." And then he gets verbally abusive to his wife and kids because he's a failure, right? His existence is failure. Mm -hmm. What is happening in that scenario? In that scenario, his passions are pointing at alcohol. And he can't, even though rationally he knows my wife and kids are more important than the subjective experience of what alcohol produces within my body. He chooses the alcohol eight times out of ten, four times out of five. 
and it's probably at a point where it's, it's yeah, he can't even like um, make a choice right anymore. It's 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 robbed his ability to yeah to even choose. And and the only yeah. choice you can make in that is when you are stone sober, I gotta flee to help. But you don't even want to flee to help because your passions have been educated. That this is in your brain and your brain chemistry and your dopamine response. It becomes so hard that when you've, you know, the, the dare mm-hmm. officer that I think really changed my life is when he drew a little thing on the board and he says, when normal people drink to get drunk, they go from here and he drew a line at the center. He's like, here's where they start. And they go over here to a 10. And then they get a hangover and they drop back to a negative five. And then they get out of that hangover and they're back at a zero, like a normal feeling. He said... That's what it's like when normal people have some alcohol, when they get drunk, whatever. But an alcoholic lives at a negative five, and he drinks to get to zero. He drinks just to feel normal. And when I heard that, I was like, what a perfect way to describe an addict. I have to do this thing Mm -hmm. because without this thing, I don't even feel normal. I feel like I'm lost in a perpetual hangover. Yeah, I actually had a buddy whose dad... um uh, I don't know how his dad's doing now. This is, gosh, this is going back a bit, but uh, back in high school, whose dad was an alcoholic, and he said, uh, and, and I said, so, like, how does he do stuff if he's just, like, drunk all the time? And he goes, he's actually not drunk. He's just numb. Mm. And I was like, oh. Yeah, oh, so that's, so that's then, horrible. yeah, take that for St. Francis line, right? Like, I have to overcome... This imperfection. How do I overcome my alcoholism? How do I overcome my porn addiction? How do I overcome, you know, whatever it might be? My anger, right? My gossip. Well, I have to practice the exact opposite virtue. But a drunk is so far gone that the opposite virtue isn't temperance anymore. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's a lifelong alcoholic can't say, well, I'll have a drink once a week, once a month. I have to stop all consumption of alcohol. They have to go, because they've been living for years over here, they got to go way over there to complete sobriety. It's kind of interesting if you think about that, how that ties into, uh, oh, man, I've got a good point. I have to pee so badly. Um, (laughs) Can we take like a two-minute break? Yes. Is that okay? We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. This is a recording. Yeah. Me, if you have never read St. Francis de Sales, Human Beings, you are missing out on Introduction to the Devout Life. Beautiful and brilliant. So there's uh, uh, before Luke gets back and yells at me for being so catechetical, there is, in traditional Catholic spirituality, there is this three-tiered understanding of the way of perfection. Tier number one is called the, per- the Way of Purgation. Wonderful book. I encourage everyone to buy it. It's called Fulfillment of All Desire by Ralph Martin. He breaks it down. I love it. Um, but the way of uh, the pur- the purgative way is I look at my sinful tendencies. Where in my life am I attached to creatures inordinately? Right. So where are my habitual mortal sins, my mortal sins, and my habitual venial sins? Um, and you start to look at those things. Okay, I struggle with pornography. Right. So many people listening to this, and they they might be like, "Oh, he's talking about pornography again," because you know you struggle with it. Knock it off. So many people struggle with pornography. 
Whether or not that's a mortal sin for you, meaning the subjective guilt of the grave matter applies to you in a mortally sinful way or not, how could it not? Well, circumstances of your addiction might have been you saw pornography or were fed pornography at a young age. No one ever told you it was wrong. Uh, people told you it was good. I knew this one guy um, who, when he was, crap, what did he say, when he was six years old? No. Five years old, his uncle would show him pornography regularly. So you know that, that that's horrific because that means his uncle's grooming him or, or something horrific, right? Um, so you come from that environment, right? Your passions are so inclined to indulge on this hyper palatable thing, right? Palpable thing. You want this thing and you've been cultivated on this thing. And so the way of purgation is, okay, intellectually, I know it's wrong and I'm going to fight with, as all the lights go off in my, hold on, let me, hey Siri, turn on my lights. You know, it's 10 o'clock. There we go. You're going to fight with all the resources and tools that you have. Accountability, prayer, diligent prayer. One of the things that I think people leave out when they talk about porn addiction, uh, especially porn masturbation addiction, is you need to get devotionals into your life. You need to get a priest who will say, like, yes, I will hear your confession the day you fall. Like, you call me up, you come into my office, you confess. I looked at porn, I got an impure thought, whatever it was. I succumbed to masturbation, blah, blah, blah. And you start addressing those sins. You don't do the thing that everyone does, which is, oh, no, I looked at pornography, I masturbated, oh, crap, everything's wrong. And then I'm going to wait three weeks or two weeks or one week to go to confession because now I'm in the state of mortal sin and I have permission to kind of do this stuff. Because what ends up happening over and over and over again is you deny the purgative ways power and you end up committing, you end up getting lost. I'm just talking about people, Luke, I don't know if you ever did this. You commit a mortal sin and then you say, well, shit, I'm in the state of mortal sin. Might as well, dot, dot, dot. I did that. I did that all the time. Um, And you give yourself permission to mortal sin. But what people don't realize is by doing that, you're building the habits, right? You're reinforcing the negative. You're reinforcing the very thing that's destroying you. And so St. Francis of Sales would say, this is the purgative way. You attack those things. You get rid of those things that lead you down that dark path. You be brutally honest. If you're married, you be brutally honest with your spouse. I need your prayers today. I'm struggling with pornography. One day with Luke, um, I can't remember what it was. Do you remember this, Luke, when I just reached out to you and said, I need to end the call early tonight. I, I just feel really tempted with pornography. Oh, yeah. And you're yeah, like, yeah. and then you sent me a text message a little bit later that just said, hey, just a reminder, don't look at porn. And it's because, like, these things, like, you know, you think they're out of your life. You know, it's the great line from Godfather Part 3. Every time I think they're out, they pull me back in. Luke, I alluded your, I used your urination break to catechize. Oh, nice. Yeah. But the purgative way leads to the, the illuminative way, which is that way of stability that I think so many Catholics never even attain. It's not even the unitive where you're like, I have mystical marriage. I have all these mystical experiences. The unitive way is like live or the illuminative way is living a consistent life of virtue. And when you're still going to venial sin, so that part of perfection, you're always going to fight until the day you die. That will never go away, Luke. The, the way uh, of fighting venial sin and committing venial sin will never go away until you die. Death is the only enemy. <laughs> but in this case, death is also the solution. I also thought of, while well, I was peeing, uh, I thought about... Um, <laughs> Whilst just, urinating. <laughs> just the importance of the importance of 
forgiveness. And I think one thing when <laughs> oh, what is he gonna say? Oh, has it <laughs> oh, Can't wait for this one. Oh, it's probably it's. <laughs> this is really creating a lot of unnecessary buildup. Uh, the um, and like like this is yeah. this yeah. is a tough part. Um, like right is when they don't ask for it. Yeah, and you still see them doing this stuff that you just cannot stand. And that's where I like. That's where I do think it's probably best to just remove yourself. So like, I got off of um, the Twitter and off of Facebook because I just cannot stand the conversation about um, quarantine and COVID. I don't want to talk about it with anyone. I'm sick of having hearing everyone's opinion. Um, it's just, I, it's just, it's exhausting, and I don't care anymore. And me and Aaron have what we are trying to do. And I'm like, this is all I can handle with, with is this. And so part of me to just not build up those feelings of animosity and just I'm like, this is becoming a not good thing. I need to take a little bit of a break. So I'm just going to, I don't yeah. even know for how long. I'm just going to, it could be a day. I'm just going to just, I need to kind of do an actual thing to say, this is me stepping away from, from you know, and I think it just kind of like, and so like my, it, you know, if I forgive a person, I might. That also means that if they're not asking for it, I might have to put myself in a in a position where, I, like, I kind of have to um, distance myself from them a little bit because it can become a near occasion of sin. This is just uh, for me, yeah. For you know, so like stepping away from uh, stepping away from the Twitter for a bit because I don't want to see all of these conversations around this thing. You know, what Twitter like, just, is for you. I think, honestly, Fox News and MSNBC and CNN are for older people. Like, they go there, and I, I talked about this all the time, so I'm not going to dwell on it, but they go there to feast and to get angry and to argue, and it's exhausting, but there's a part of us that takes pleasure from it. And, you know, as Catholics, I think we've done so much talking about lust, Right, like even me today, using it as the, the go-to example, mostly because it's so apparent. But like anger, like we can identify the lead-ups to lust. What about the lead-ups to anger, where you should have bailed a long time ago? Like bailing out of Twitter, I would say is a reasonable action for you to take. You know, we hired Kate. Kate's not going to succumb to Luke Carey's anger tweet rages. Give her your, you know, give her the Catching Foxes Twitter account. Will she, though? (laughs) She'll learn. But give her the Twitter account, you know, let her do the thing. Like, Matt Frad has created separation between himself and the thing that causes him harm. Even though maybe in this Web 2.0 world, we have to engage in social media in some way, he's created a way to interact with it and keep his soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my my point earlier when we were talking about um, the alcoholic, like kind of that overstimulation of like yeah. of alcohol, creates this thing where I now can't be tempered. I have to like abstain from mm-hmm. from that. I I do think in like the um, it's like listen and like this sucks. We like we didn't ask for this cross like a a. Like a bunch of the crosses that like we have, yeah. no one asked for it. No one was like, oh, "I really want to see porn when I am twelve years old and create this lifelong." You know, like yeah, yeah. no one asked. Like you know, and I don't think anyone says like, "I want to get so obsessed with um with like um Catholic 
content that, that that's all that I care about. You know, or, or I want to get so, you know, obsessed with sports that I'm going to forget to live. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I do think, like, like it's not just alcohol. It's not just these right. things. that like, I want to learn are... so much about the world of Westeros, even though I've never read American history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's and, and this is part of, like, I keep, man, like this priest, the greatest thing a priest ever told me was just to keep was to keep struggling. Yeah. It was the one thing he said at the, you know, like, and a confession. I was this old priest out in Eureka, California. It was amazing. It's so true. Like, if all of the Taylor Marshall stuff was just, if you're getting, like, so obsessed with it, just walk away. You know, like, that's what we had to do with, that's what, that's what I had to do with some stuff involving a uh, second Australian friend. I was just, it was as much as it, you know, and, like, it just drove me nuts. I said, I, I can't. I'm done. I, I I need to walk away from this for a bit. This is too much. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Like, um, and it, I think there does come a time when like this stuff that we can, that like, even this, like, you know, stuff that is either it's like a um, neutral or it is a good, but we can have too much of it and it can become a problem. So where the only thing that we have to do in that moment is walk away. Yeah, and say I can't go to movies anymore. I get too obsessed. I can't, you know. I remember in college, I lost all of my CDs when I was in us when I was in Austria. I had like a pack of them, and I just like lost all the ones that that I brought. And I was like, oh god, and you know, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I am kind of tired of being the music guy. There's a lot more to me than just the bands that I like. And I was like, I don't want to be known for that. Nope. And so That's I just all said, you are. I'm okay with it. That's all you are. I'm like, I'm like, and I don't know if you remember this. I gave away the rest of my CDs. Do you remember that? When I got back from school, uh, spring of 2004, like in the very beginning, I brought up my pack and I said, anyone just take like whatever you want. No one really took that much. They're like, this is all just a bunch of weird stuff. And I was like, screw you guys. You guys all suck. <laughs> but, I'm special. You know, I'm special. Ah. It's like I wanted to engage my. I wanted to engage my brain with other things, oh, with different stuff, and just saying, I'm just going. I do think there are times when it's like best for us just to just walk away completely, even if it's just for a day. A, 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 you know, just say I'm done with. Uh, I'm done with movies. I'm done with podcasts. I'm done. I'm done with YouTube. Just walking away. Um, I'm saying I can't. You know, is I think it's a. I think it's probably all of us have at least one thing in this period of like over of over of saturation, where we didn't ask to become addicted to, to YouTube. We didn't ask to become addicted to TV or to Facebook or to any of this stuff. But this is the cross of our of our age is oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Aristotle talks about moral perfection. He's like, we're all born in an untutored state. But then the Christian tradition would come along and say, yeah, and we're also born in original sin. So you're not just fighting the fact that you haven't harnessed the power of your will, which you haven't, and you haven't directed your passions to your will. But also we have this innate twisting where the passions constantly run away from the will and human reason. And that's why, as Christians, we don't worship the perfect God hanging out on a mountaintop that never knew pain. We worship the God that was crucified, the risen Lord, right? The Lamb is the image uh, at, at the center of our worship as well as our theology, like the cross 
and the resurrection. There was no need for a resurrection unless it was first the death. And so all of our perfection goes through the way of the cross. And that's why the catechism says there's no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. Like someone has to look at themselves and say, okay, it's either alcohol or my family. It's either Twitter or rage, right? I have to give up Twitter or I just have to say, okay, I'm going to keep Twitter and I'm going to be angry all the time. I'm going to take that anger and I can't just shut off my life. So I'm going to bring that anger home to my wife. I'm going to bring that anger at work. I'm going to bring that anger whenever I'm at mass and I'm trying to worship Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And I'm thinking about that stupid debate. And I'm thinking about communion on the hand versus on the tongue versus am I a rad, trad, traditionalist, charismatic, whatever, and where do I fit in all the And it, it spoils us, and the devil wins. The devil wins because there's no renunciation. I don't want to give up this Twitter thing because it keeps me connected, and I can share funny Simpsons quotes. But, like, there comes a point where you identify a poison in your own heart, Luke, which is I get angry and tell people that give us three stars to F off at the beginning of every show. <laughs> but you have to say, okay, let the cross. Here's the poverty. I can't control myself here. I don't want to get Gomer banned from oh, some speaking session. I was in full control there. <laughs> no, and you just have to say, you like. You can bleep it out. Or just edit it out. No, I will. Uh, and you can say, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Will, will, yeah, I will, will you? Every F-bomb you've had in the last couple of weeks, I've edited it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Believe it when I see it. I don't listen to our episodes. I know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, I mean, at the Catholic Church, this is the thing that pisses me off about modern spirituality, is it doesn't talk about mortification. It doesn't talk about dying to yourself. Like, killing parts of your longings because your longings are wrong. Right, we don't ever want to talk about that. We say follow your bliss and uh, fulfill every desire. But what if my desires are bad? We talk about willpower and self help books. But what if my will is bent? Then giving me my will more power means yeah. more bad stuff. I also think we're at a point right now where we make a lot of people think change isn't possible. Oh, really? Because we, we yeah, I th- because I think there's this thing where it becomes hacking. As opposed to actual, actual change of thinking of like that we because it's um, you know so you hear all things and I, I really enjoy the art the you know art of manliness podcast a, yeah. a lot a ton I, I haven't listened in a while but I think it's great and I love the website and everything that that you know like yeah. that guy and his wife are doing I, th- I think it's awesome. Um, but it goes; it gets very self helpy with a, with a lot of yeah. this, this stuff, and it's and it's awesome. But one thing you hear about over and over again is how change is is you know incredibly hard, almost almost impossible, but not quite. But just but just like very very hard. And I think you have some of people more who says it's actually impossible to really change. You just have to like hack your brain a little bit, such as the like, trolls in Frozen. People don't really change. That's one of the things they sing. I remember actually getting pretty. I'm pretty. I'm depressed about this. At one point in time, going is change just impossible? Like, is 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 actually a thing that actually doesn't ever. I'm really. There's actually this great um South Park episode where this is kind of bad, but like one of the kids is talking to Satan, and he's basically explaining what drugs does to your brain and how your brain can become chemically um addicted to like certain um like certain like certain stuff. He goes, yeah, and, and he's like, yeah, you, you can be like, this is awful. You, you, he goes, like, you're like effed, like like right when you try it because your brain has a chemical now that is 
dependent upon this drug that you would, you know. And I'm like, are we all just screwed? I have to cling to grace. And I'm saying, like, like the whole, I'm a Christian, the whole Christian project is about, like, I can change. I can be yeah. a better person. Like, it changed all, like, world culture from being kind of this, like, screw everyone thing to, like, um, we need to strive for the good. Even like 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 even um now like a lot of stuff that you see out in, out in the world that I might not agree with in terms of uh, like what they are trying to do, I agree with where they are coming from. Yeah, you know they're trying to push for things that they they're trying to push for a good and just world, which is a Chris, it's it is um Christianity that like brings that. Like the, that that's impulse, what, like the West yeah. is, yeah, yeah, like that, like that, like a Western impulse to do what is right comes from Christianity. Yeah. Uh, so Saint Francis of Sales says our, that quote right after that. He says, "Our victory does not consist in being insensible to them, but in not consenting to them." So the, the, going back to like my my comment earlier about oftentimes Catholics who want to get serious about their spiritual life end up becoming this weirdo rigid almost inhuman like they they can't they can't exist in the world and this is the thing that pisses me off about the lack of christian imagination is that when we become so focused on our christianity right in the way that we live it in in all good things it's almost like we don't under we lose touch with our own imperfections we lose touch with the struggle and I think it's this idea of I have it, it's a way of it's a, it's a form of pride. And it's a way of lying to ourselves by saying because I'm using the language of St. Francis of Sales because I'm insensitive to my issues, my problems, my struggles, my baggage, my labels, my wounds. I don't have any because I'm insensitive to that stuff. And you know the people I condemn are people whose sins I align with the most, and I don't want people to know that, so I'm the loudest at condemning them. I mean, St. Francis of Sales turns that all on its head. He's like, victory consists not pretending like we don't have them, but precisely in a refusal to consent to them. So I have a proclivity to lust. My victory over lust is refusing to consent to it over and over and over again until lust is put to bed, which is an excellent choice of words. Wink. Until lust is put to bed. <laughs> Until lust is um, put to bed. The Michael Gormley story. Man, I feel like I just quoted uh, or I just created a song title for Under Oath. Till lust is put to bed. Put right? To Don't bed. they have like uh, long titles? Uh, like, yeah, but this is more them around 2004. Yeah. Um, the other cool. day, the Are other day, I was walking out and I was like, you know what's the problem with this group? And it was a group that I was talking with. And I go, they're only chasing safety. I was like, where the hell did I hear that from? Where does that come <laughs> from? And I was like, oh, it's one of my favorite Under Oath songs. They're only chasing It's not safe. a song. It's, it's an album. That's one of my favorite Under Oath albums. <laughs> Name one. <laughs> What's the song oh, okay. at the very end that's like super quiet and chill? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, uh, <sighs> that Adam oh, Robozelli used it in that pro-life video. It's very, and it's uh, got the dude from. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the dude from Copeland. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What I gotta figure out the there. name. I love that song. <laughs> I'm looking it up it's, right now. There. It's like Underworld and Copeland. It is so early two thousands. It's the last song on that album coming up. Yeah, here we go. I loved that song. Here we go. Give me the tracks. 
Some will seek forgiveness, seek forgiveness others, others escape. escape. Featuring Aaron Marsh of Copeland. I love I Aaron Marsh so much. Everyone, right now, some will seek forgiveness, others escape. Put your headphones on, crank it up to 11, and enjoy. Oh, Josh. I heard a voice through the discord. Sorry. Luke, don't I'm ever sing. Luke, you are a terrible <laughs> I, I singer. I can't sing this high. You <laughs> when I sing this high, I am. Okay, okay. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll no, put I it love in the- this song so much. <laughs> Somebody kiss me. What? <clears throat> yeah, I'm so sensitive. All right, uh, I think we're good. Promise. Do you feel like we're good? Promise. Because I want to do a thing with you. For I want to take to 10 minutes. It's only going to it's only yes. gonna take okay. 10 minutes. I want to do a I'm the Patreon thing. Here, okay. Let me recommend this book. Christian Perfection and Contemplation by Reginald Garrigou Lagrange. He did the doctoral thesis for Pope John Paul II. He gave him a beat, Kate, but whatever. Please start an Amazon thing so we can get some money off of these book uh, recommendations. Yeah, I have it for layevangelist.com. <laughs> and I put it in our show notes all the time. <laughs> That's my boy. And I've gotten zero dollars from it. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, yep. See you later. Wait. Wait. Whoa. 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 What are we doing? What are we doing? We're gonna. We're gonna end, and we're gonna talk about. I want to do. Uh, so, so I think we're. I think we're good here. I, th- I think we have a good episode. Why don't we do the Patreon thing right now? Well, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. But I don't want other people to see it. I wanted to. I, I. I really don't want. Other, I really don't want other people to see it. Okay, everyone. It's my birthday on May twenty fifth. So when you're enjoying Memorial Day, think of me. Wait, is it the twenty fifth or is it the twenty sixth? I always forget. I just freaking said it's the 25th. Do you think I'm going to lie about my I birthday? I thought it may have been the 26th. <gasps> you know what Father Tom got me for my birthday? This is the most what amazing thing I've ever experienced. Was in my, it in here? No, it's in my garage. I was talking to Shannon Sunday morning. I said, you know what? You know what I want, Shannon? I want a birthday present that is for me. Can I have one of those? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I go, not like a gift for me that's really for the family. Not a gift for me yeah, that's really yeah. for the house. I want a gift for me for me. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, one day my mom showed me this present that she bought for my dad. And you know what it was? A series of end tables that nested. (laughs) And I said, my dad doesn't give a shit about end tables. So so what ended up happening, I don't know what. She asked me, well, what do you want? I go, I don't know. I need a new drill. My drill is dying. And I'd like to ask you for a DeWalt drill. But those like, like, I know. Those are like $200. Father Tom bought me a drill. I thought Shannon did and got it snuck to my office. And I'm like, where where did this come from? Father Tom's like, hey, did you get to my present? I'm like, holy crap. I literally that day was talking about it. I love Father Tom. Best gift ever. Best gift ever. Father Tom, my birthday's on the 1st of February. No one gives a... Oh, Oh, Corona Day. Thank you, Coronavirus Luke. Wait, why is that? Because that's when the outbreak started in New York. On the first of February? No, I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's kill our free everyone. Thank you, and we don't have any sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor a show, let's do it. Five, four, three, three, two, one.